0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Atomizen Show. We are going into week six of the podcast now, and I'm going to be joined later today by Robbie Goss, along with a new guest, Cole Ritu, to discuss the upcoming fight this weekend between Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. But before we get to that, I want to take a look into week nine of the NFL season, along with a couple other topics that have been circulating around this week. So starting off, it was a big lopsided week around the NFL. The Titans, without Derrick Henry, beat the Rams, who just got Von Miller. From the Broncos, who, even though the Broncos got worse, beat up big time on Dallas, the Bills fell absolutely flat against the Jaguars, and so did the previously 5-2 Giants. So let's start taking a look into what happened. The Broncos versus Dallas is what I want to start with. The box score overall, I think, makes it look a lot better than it really is. But once you start getting into the stats, I was watching the game. Dallas was losing 30-0 to with six and a half minutes left. They were 0-4 on fourth down. They had two fourth, uh missed on fourth down twice in the first quarter, which gave the uh, Broncos back and gave them the ability to score and get up big. They went into halftime up 16-0. Uh, the Cowboys overall were five for 13 on third down when they were down 30 to zero, they were only one for 13 on third downs and the whole game, they only had the ball for 19 minutes the whole game. So there was no way Dallas really had the chance to win. They had two turnovers, only 14 first downs total. I was very high on Dallas for the first few weeks and even the last, all the weeks basically (laughs) And this just seemed like a very uncharacteristic game for them. They gave up 190 yards rushing and only had 78 yards rushing total, which led to the clock mismanagement, like I mentioned earlier, with only having 19 minutes total the whole game with the ball. And I think this comes down to, like I talked about it a few weeks ago, it's not the team's problem. Dallas is an extremely talented team, it is Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones. Mike McCarthy has, yet again, clock mismanagement. Went on a huge rant about that the other week. This dates back years into Green Bay. Mike McCarthy mismanaging the clock, mismanaging challenges, and really just not being a good play caller overall. And I found something very interesting, and it was basically Jerry Jo. Uh, my idea was Jerry Jones getting too involved with the team overall. He would. There was a quote came out, and he was like, "Me and Mike were in heavy conversations all week. That da- uh, uh, Broncos did exactly what we expected them to do. That we just didn't ex- expect them to execute." And it's interesting for me because majority of the other N- NFL owners except there might, like, John Elway actually might be one of them because he was actually a player. Majority of NFL owners don't, they let their GM, they let their coach, they let the guys that they hire run their franchise. They're not making team decisions on game plan for the week and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see Jerry Jones get that involved. Could be one of the problems. I think Jerry Jones has been a problem with for a while, but he also does... He has made the team a lot bigger. He built uh, helped build the Cowboys stadium. Everybody nicknames names it, Jerry's World, yeah, yeah. The team just wasn't ready to be punched in the mouth, what I got overall from that. They thought the Cowboys were going to come, I mean, not the Cowboys, the Broncos were going to come out and not play as good a football as you expected, and what you got to remember is any given week, teams can come out and play great There's special players on every team no matter how bad the team is and they're still professional athletes they still do this for a living and get paid millions of dollars for it so on any given week any team can win and Dallas didn't have that mindset I think they will still improve going forward they will still be a problem in the playoffs this isn't a picture of how the rest of their season is going to go in my opinion but it's gonna be interesting to see. Going over to another team in the NFC and another team in the NFC. Rams versus Titans. Titans won 28 to 16. Titans won without Derrick Henry. They seemed to not skip a beat. They had plenty of trick plays. They got the offense way more or the passing game way more involved. If you had to just watch the AFC teams right now, I think you would have to put the Titans at the top, especially after Baltimore's loss last night to Miami. The Chiefs did not look great against the Packers, which we'll get into that in a little bit, and the Bills got exposed, and the Raiders and Chargers both seemed to be coming down back down to earth, to be honest. And it's kind of interesting to see how underpowered the AFC is compared to the NFC this year. The Rams might have lost this game, but if you look on paper, LA really, it should have been a much closer game and LA could have won this game. They won the time of possession battle. Uh, They won third down conversions, total first downs, pass yards, rush yards, what really killed them in this game was turnovers and special teams, and those are both two things that fluctuate on any given week. I, the, I've the i always liked the Rams special teams coordinator, and I think they're going to be able to figure out. They have a great coaching staff over there. So I don't see that being as big a problem for them, and it'll really just come down to how Matthew Stafford plays in the future. So... It Yeah, it's amazing how underpowered that AFC is this year. They seem to keep losing. It, and the Titans seem to be the best bet, even though I think that'll change. Uh, let's go on to talking more about special teams. The Packers had an absolutely horrific Sunday last week for special teams against the Chiefs. Packers ended up losing at the Chiefs 13-7. to Uh, They had nine missed points total from special teams, including two missed field goals and a whiffed punt that ended up being turned into three points for Kansas City. Not a pretty game overall for either team. I think this might just be a down year for the Chiefs overall. They could have easily scored 25 to 35 points on us. And honestly, I think the Packers could have done the same. We could have scored 21 to 28 on them but obviously without Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love in his first game, wow. My big problem with him is he didn't have any of those big wow moments. Like I never looked and was like, oh my gosh, that was a great moment from Jordan Love. He just played an average game. He played to the team's strengths. There's a lot of leaders on the Packers and weren't able to get it done. Both teams had plenty of opportunities that entire game to win, and I don't think This game tells us a whole lot about... I think this game tells us more about the Chiefs than it does about the Packers. All it tells us about the Packers is uh, defense is legit, which I've been thinking for weeks. The Chiefs uh, against, obviously, the Packers. I could not get much done the whole day, primarily because special teams and offense. The Chiefs were not able to get much done at all either. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think, just keeps taking the deep ball way too much. Travis Kelsey was seen getting visibly upset multiple times with Mahomes after third down, whatever downs throws. And Kelsey was open for checkdowns a lot. And Mahomes was throwing a risky deep ball, which I, it's going back to what I said last week. They have been so reliant on the big flashy plays the last few years. It's kind of how they get their spark on offense. It's how they get going. And I think Patrick has it in his head that they always have to have those big flashy plays every game. But there's other ways to win the football game other than Mahomes just being your guy and carrying you to victory. So we'll see how that goes. Patrick Mahomes is only 26 so far. He is having to live up to his massive contract. I'm he's not having a down year by stats he's still having a great year the only problems is his turnovers it's just a down year for what he should be the division overall has got the afc west has gotten a lot better and it's going to be a fight till then the chiefs they're still finding ways to win they're now five and four if they are able to figure out their way into the playoffs, the Chiefs are definitely not a team I would want to face. Just be, They can turn it on on any moment, and if they made the playoffs, it'd be one of those teams, six or 7th seed, that could definitely sneak up and get you. Uh, but yeah, all greats go through some type of struggle year. They might not be having a bad year per se, but it's considered a down year for them. Chiefs don't have a lot of faith on Packers. I got a lot more faith from this weekend, even though it was a loss. Best defense I've seen in a long time from us, and most confident I felt the long time, like more confident than the last two NFC Championship years. Could really have a chance this year. Going over to the Steelers versus the Bears. Steelers started one and four. They are four and zero oh in their last four, and now they're sitting at five and four. Ben has begun to step up, although they got very lucky against the Bears. The refs this season have not been good at all. They have, the from roughing the passer to taunting to pass interference, It the taunting's really the worst. And in the Bears game, it came to show, because it really co- could have cost the Bears a game. They only lost that game by two points. That's a field goal, and the Bears were forced to give up the ball multiple times, or Pittsburgh was gifted first downs from these taunting calls that weren't taunting at all. And I heard something the other day. It was about, it was like Harbaugh, McCarthy, these older coaches, they went. And the reason these rules got changed was actually not because of the NFL, but because of coaches. And they were looking to limit the amount of fights that broke out, because last season, if you guys recall, there was a lot of fights that broke out among players, Bears, Saints, Saints, uh, Rams, I believe it was, and then there was one additional fight, and basically coaches wanted to limit that. Oh, Tennessee, Baltimore, I think it was. Coaches basically wanted to limit that limit it basically ever happening and they thought it was stemming from taunting penalties well now it really seems to be coming back and biting some teams in the butt because they're getting charged for absolutely nothing while they might be escalating things it's good for the game and i think it takes away a lot from the game especially when as a fan of a team if you're a fan of a team and you look back and you're like we there's zero reason we should have lost that game it just makes you discourage. I think it's taken away from the NFL and what the NFL actually is. It's got to be real, you know. But Justin Fields has begun to look a lot better after weeks of digressions. He had a good game, 291 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. I I think they're going to keep getting better. I, I'm going to get in the hot seats in my next take for coaches this year. And Matt Nagy will definitely be in there. Justin Fields could be the one to bail him out. Going back to what I was saying about Jordan Love, not having any big wow moments, Justin Fields definitely had some big wow moments. It was like almost every time he was on the field, there was a play he'd make where I'd be like, that was it, that impressed me. So he's getting better. And just his, I think it's 7th or 8th start, yeah, 8th, ninth start, uh, he's gotten much better. And will continue to get better, in my opinion. Ben over the last little stretch, like I mentioned, they went four and zero. He's at a hundred and four point six rating, seven point four yards a throw. Uh, they're getting more efficient on offense. I don't have a lot of faith in the Steelers. They're currently sitting in the playoff picture, but I don't know how that lo- how long that's going to last for, especially in their division. The AFC North is heating up a lot, especially after the Ravens lost last night. All of them seem to have a chance at it right now, so every single game is going to be a war. And the AFC North has always been known as a division to be a little bit more rowdy than the other. Kind of like the NFC North, kind of just a little bit more rowdy that the uh, rivalries go farther back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Steelers. They could definitely squeak in as like a seven seed, but I do not see them winning the division personally. Going on, I wanted to look into some coaches that I think could be on the hot seat after this season. My big one is actually going to be the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Right now, they're at bottom of the West. Yet again, they're five games back from Arizona, and they're likely not going to make the playoffs against a stacked NFC. They would have to basically win out in order to win the playoffs. Or get in the playoffs, and they continued to stumble last weekend against the Cardinals without Kyler Murray. D Hop, the Cardinals were led by Colt McCoy and just a bunch of trick plays, and San Francisco just straight up did not come close. Kyle Shanahan at this point is thirty-two and forty as a head coach, which comparing him Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy's thirty-one and twenty-eight as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan, however, he was able to get to the Super Bowl the one year. His team was able to stay healthy. They went 13-3, and got to the Super Bowl, lost it against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But Kyle Shanahan ranks 128th out of 191 coaches who have at least 50 career coach games in the NFL history from a winning percentage standpoint. Now, majority of those coaches by that point have been fired. If you're sitting probably 115 or above 100 or above, you're sitting below 500. Kyle Shanahan is sitting below 500. If they end this season and they are sitting between four and seven wins again, which is a real possibility, that means he has had four out of his five seasons where he or – three out of his four seasons where he had between four and six wins, and then he had the one good year, and I think that's what's buying him time at the moment. He could not get fired at this season. I think there's plenty of possibilities that could happen with the rest of this year. San Francisco is still a good team. They have a good defense. But his seat will definitely be getting a little toasty towards the end of this season, especially if they're sitting between four and seven wins. I would not doubt it. If he did get fired, he's had very uneven quarterback play over the few years. See, i got to give him some credit. I can't just hate on Kyle Shanahan because there's much worse coaches throughout the NFL that should have been fired, and I'll get into a couple of those in a few minutes. But I don't know. I I think a c will be warm, and I would prefer for the 49ers to move on from him after this season because I never like when – a team goes into the year with a coach. Coach starts 2-6, and f- six, and then he gets fired. That's throwing your season away. What 49ers are going to throw another season away after they've thrown a lot of the last seven years, eight years away, except for the one year where they went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo. Since Colin Kaepernick, they've thrown a lot away, and they need to start making up for that, and they need to make changes now. San Francisco is a historic franchise, and they should not be at the bottom of the league. Some other coaches that I think could be uh, the, on the hot seat. I don't like them as much. There's just been a lot of articles and things being said about them. Uh, people have been saying David Coley from Houston, which uh, Houston, I think, is always going to be one of those places where people are like, he's not doing good. Unless they get good, obviously. They had the year uh, a few years ago with Deshaun Watson where they went 12-4 and in the playoffs But they're slacking this year. Tyrod Taylor, when he played at the beginning of this year, he made the Texans look like a complete team. The Texans still have good players on their roster. It just takes a good quarterback. Davis Mills has been it at some points, has not been it at other points. I definitely think David Coley should be given another year to see if he can get it right in Houston. Houston, I think the biggest thing is right now, They have to figure out what they're going to do with Deshaun Watson. I think that's just holding up the entire franchise. And until you move on from Deshaun Watson, there's not going to be a lot of good come from that franchise. And Urban Meyer, which I also don't think is entirely fair. He's still a first-year head coach. People, oh, he has Trevor Lawrence. He has these other pieces. Trevor Lawrence's first year, he's first year. He brought in a whole new team. He tried the Tebow thing, which created a lot of headlines and was just obviously not a good thing for the team overall. So I don't think it's fair for either one of those coaches to be fired, especially after Urban Meyer's win last weekend uh, against Buffalo. His job will probably be safe throughout the uh, this season, and if he wants to continue after this season, obviously there's been college coaching things from him, all that. I think he'll continue in the NFL. But... Yeah, it, the only thing that would cause him to step away would be college, and I don't think he's going to college. Two coaches I do think who should be on the hot seat: Judge and Nagy. Like I said, Nagy's now sitting at thirty-one and twenty-eight. I was wanting him to get fired all during the off season. I had a couple Bears fans agreeing with me, but. Uh, Judge for the Giants. Giants have not played. I don't know why the Giants haven't moved on from Daniel Jones yet, to be honest. He keeps getting these couple wins. He got the win against the Raiders, and he looked decent against the Raiders. But he keeps just getting along, just getting to the next season. And it's kind of become a long, drug-out thing at this point that's been a little annoying to watch. And Nagy... I definitely think should be fired soon. He he gave up play calling, consistently makes the wrong decisions with his team and how he leads his team. I just don't like Nagy as much anymore. Brian Flores for the Dolphins, I don't think this year, just because I think they're going to give him a bit of a mulligan year this year. Last year they had 10 wins and obviously they were in the mix of things. You're still trying to figure out everything with Tua. Tua came in last night, bailed them out, and got them a win against Miami, I mean, the Ravens. So really, anything could happen, but I think they're going to give him a mulligan year this year, and next year will be the real test for his job. Also, I wanted to look a little bit at Matt Rule, and I'm going to talk about the Cam Newton signing, which they recently had. Matt Rule could be on the hot scene soon. They're nine and sixteen so far in the NFL. And what's interesting to look at here is there's reports coming out of him not being all in on the NFL. That came from Joel Clatt. And he really could go back to college if this doesn't work out. College co- colleges are seeking after him. He is a very high value target that people love Matt Rule. And the Panthers owner Wants results right now. He's always, the. It's been known that he has wanted results now. He's trying to win right now. He's not trying to build. So Matt Rule and the Panthers organization went out, took a chance on Cam Newton, former 2015 MVP, played with the Panthers in. He, they took Panther chance on him due to Sam Darnold's injury, which he will likely be out four to six weeks. This could go a number of ways. It is now a new system for Cam, obviously, because it's Matt Rule, not Ron Rivera. And Cam has been injured a lot over the last few years. Since winning MVP in 2015, he's had one concussion, a torn rotator cuff that he had to undergo surgery for, a grade one knee sprain, had a shoulder injury, which he had to have uh, surgery for, and a left foot injury in 2019, which caused him to miss the rest of the season. Last year, he had 8 pass touchdowns along with 10 interceptions, 12 rushing touchdowns, 2,600 passing yards, and 15 games. Truly, I think it is a 50-50 how Cam, do. Cam does. Cam is extremely serious. You've been able to see that. For one. People have doubted Cam in two ways. For one, they doubted his work ethic at one time, and that's when he began doing all those workout videos on Instagram, posting And New England decided to take a shot on him. Then New England dropped him because of the vaccination status. And he was hearing that he could get signed if he went and got the vaccine. So he went and got the vaccine because football is what he loves. And that's what impresses me about Cam is he is willing to do anything just to be able to play football. And that's a true leader. And he really could come in and lead the Panthers. But what I don't like here is I I don't mind Cam. I mind Carolina. Carolina cut him a few years ago, then they signed Teddy Bridgewater, his replacement. They gave up his replacement for Sam Darnold, which they had to trade away multiple picks for, just to end back up with Cam Newton a couple years later. The Panthers are 4-5 and five right now and are giving him a deal that is worth up to $10 million for the rest of this season. That's an 8-game rental if they end up missing the playoffs. If this does not work out for Matt Rule, then it would not surprise me at all to see him getting fired and no longer being with the Panthers after this season. Again, I like him a lot. I think if he did get fired, he'd go back to college, but... This is a sh- not a shot in the dark move, but this is really just you're taking a chance, and they're betting on Cam here, and it'll be really interesting to see. I think I'm going to a Panthers game in a couple weeks, and it'll be excited. I'm hoping Cam starts, and it'll be cool to see him back with the Panthers. He's all he's one of the biggest NFL players I've ever seen. It's ridiculous, so that'll be cool, and. My last topic for today before we get, bring on Robbie and Cole and talk about the upcoming fight a little bit is OBJ. OBJ went on wa- waivers Monday at 4 and cleared them. So Cleveland still owes him between 6 and $7 million for the rest of the season. OBJ has now obviously been signed by the Rams, and the Rams have gotten much deeper. I'm extremely upset over the Packers not getting him. There was mixed reports coming out, and it was between the Rams and the Packers at the end of the day, and the Packers did not make a strong enough push. That's the report that came out. You always have to take everything that comes out with a grain of salt, because every person with a blue check mark is just trying to get retweets or get their name out there with some type of information. So... You gotta make sure who you're listening to here. I think OBJ is gonna make an absolute massive impact for the Rams. Their receiving court with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and him is gonna be really dangerous. And they got Daryl Henderson in the backfield. They're gonna be lethal, and I love when teams go out and make moves like this. The Bucks did it last year with Antonio Brown. Everybody's kinda there's a great player on the market. Everybody's kind of skeptical about their attitude, their character, how they're going to act inside the organization. And then they come in and make a huge impact. And Antonio Brown ended up catching a ball in the Super Bowl, the same same guy that uh, Brady brought in. So it all comes around at the end of the day. And a huge name, a huge, talented guy like Odell Beckham Jr., I think will come in and make an impact for the Rams sooner or later. Uh, the Browns proved this last weekend. They did not need Odell. Like I said last week, Baker is now playing with a chip on his shoulder, which I love. If you look at the playoff picture right now, the Browns are actually out of the playoff picture. When I look at it, of all the teams, the Browns are like that's the team I'm confident's going to get in. And then AFC, they're not. That's not in it right now. They're too good of a team. They have Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry. Cooper, their defense is insane. I would definitely be surprised not to see the Browns play make the playoffs, and I think it will really come down to Baker, and I'm glad he's playing with the chip on his shoulder now because he just plays better overall. They need to make the playoffs this year because this is also a contract year for Baker, so if they end up missing the playoffs, it's not he's probably not going to get the contract he wants, and he could be out of Cleveland after this year considering the market for QBs this year. Especially with how not bad the the draft for QBs this year is not going to be the best. So especially with how the draft's going to be, the QB market is going to be hot. There's going to be a lot of teams looking for QBs. The Browns also have a top three O line, top three defense, and yards allowed. It's if they can't make the playoffs, that is a team with a recipe to make the playoffs. And Baker needs to take them there. Okay. So now we are going to jump over to a special segment for this week. My friends Robbie Goss and Cole Ritu are coming on to take a look at the upcoming UFC fight this weekend. Robbie, Cole, what's up, guys? How's it going?
1: Hey, Adam. Doing good. How you doing? I'm also doing great. Thanks for having me on, Adam.
0: Heck yeah! Glad to have you guys here. I'm excited to talk about the upcoming fight this weekend between Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. Holloway's 22 and six. Rodriguez 14 and two. Both going through like age, height, weight. They're pretty much the same. Rodriguez does have two extra inches of reach on him. Holloway's a heavy favorite coming into this fight. You, Rodriguez, has plus 410 odds. And I want to hear what you guys have to think about this fight for this week. And you guys are kind of my UFC experts. I don't know too much. I watch it, but don't follow it too heavily. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, so this fight should be really interesting. So um, Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez both are volume strikers. So they're going to be throwing a lot this fight. So it should be really interesting, even if they you know don't knock each other out. What do you think, Robbie?
1: Uh yeah, I think it's pretty clear Holloway's a heavy favorite for a reason he's one of the best in the in the division uh something interesting about Holloway that I wanted to point out is he doesn't spar in preparation for his fights really anymore and since he stopped sparring, he's actually done really well he the first fight he did it he uh lost to um uh Volkanovsky, but a lot of people thought he won that fight in the rematch and uh also he fought uh Calvin Cater, who he just destroyed. He set like a record for um I'm pretty sure significant strikes in the fight. So and another thing is uh if it goes to the ground, the way Holloway trains, another unorthodox thing he does is he um he trains his Jiu Jitsu in a gi, which is like their uh traditional garment. But it's really interesting to see how that could translate because Sorry, this was my train of thought. Uh, oh, yes, There's a lot of differences in, like, uh, chokes you can do and holds when you train like that. And I just thought it was interesting that he does those two unorthodox things in preparation for his fights.
2: Yeah, definitely. The the, the gi training is really interesting. Um, that makes it a lot harder for you to lock in with specific submissions. Uh, I'm not sure which ones, but you know it makes you a bit slippery. Um, and I guess makes it more difficult, uh, and that Max has been training for more difficult submissions, but yeah, the no sparring, I think that's really interesting. Um, I guess it just allows him to feel like he's more in control of the fight when he walks into the cage. Cause I think when you spar, you know, you, you sit there and you, you get hit and sometimes it can kind of detract from your like willingness to just go out there and throw combos and that's what we saw against Calvin Cater, and I think that if Max is able to do that again against Ayer, I don't think he'll have anything to stop him.
1: Yeah, just a, uh, I agree with that, and just another point on the sparring. It could also be since he's not constantly getting in fights in the gym, he like won't, he may not get injured in a way that other fighters would if they're constantly sparring. So right. he might be a little more fresh coming into the fight, which. Uh, fighters often are overtrained, and that's something that you don't always see, but definitely can have an impact on the fight.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I wanted to touch on was, like you said earlier, Max, or you set a record. He landed 17.8 significant strikes per minute against Calvin Cater, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, And that's like... Every three seconds, he's hitting him hard, pretty much. So, if we can, if we, if there's anything like that against Yair, it should just be like the fight is over in the first or second round. I don't think Yair has the chin that Cater does.
0: I was just about to ask you guys if you thought this round, ra- this fight was going to take all five rounds, but it sure doesn't seem like it, especially after hearing everything about.
2: Hull. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Holloway might just be too good for this guy.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I don't think it would end in like maybe the first or second round because like Cole said earlier, they're both uh, volume punchers. Like you really got to, it's not like uh, how Conor McGregor used to knock people out like almost instantly. Like that, it's more of an accumulation of strikes. So, but I definitely see it ending in probably the third or fourth round. I don't really know if I see it going the distance.
2: Yeah, first or second was a stretch, but third or fourth sounds pretty accurate.
0: So you guys are both taking Holloway in the fight this weekend, just to confirm?
1: Yep. Yeah, if I was allowed to bet, I would definitely put all my money on Holloway.
0: <laughs> uh, Robbie, I heard you saying earlier that you had some about uh, some of the under- or uh, prelim fights this weekend. You got anything about those?
1: Um, so, honestly, I don't know too much about uh, the fighters on the prelims, but I would like to just point out the co-main event, which is Ben Rothwell versus um, versus Lima. And it's interesting that Rothwell has over 50 fights. He's a real veteran of the game. He's fought a lot of the uh, big historical names in the UFC. And Lima has uh, about half his fights, but he's only four years younger. It's not like... There's a huge age gap, especially since I'm pretty sure Rothwell is 40 and Lima is 36, which is generally past the prime for a UFC fighter. But uh, Vegas has the odds where Rothwell has a slight edge. He's minus 150, so if you bet 150 bucks, you would win 100 if he wins. So um, the fight still is pretty even, and in the heavyweight division, anything can happen. But I just wanted to highlight that because that's a fight – People aren't really talking about it as much, but it still could be a really good fight.
2: Yeah, I was I saw that as well. Um, And all heavyweight fights can be interesting, right? So like any any time there can be a crazy knockout. So that's definitely one worth watching. And uh, yeah, like you were saying, Ben Rothwell's fought in the past like Alistar Overeem and other big name fighters. So if I were to to bet, I'd probably take Ben, but I also probably just wouldn't bet on this fight.
0: Sweet. It definitely sounds like a fun weekend full of fights. I'm excited to watch on Saturday. Now let that's going to wrap up our little look into the UFC fights. We're going to transition into the top picks of the week. Robbie and Cole are going to join me on these. Last week, I went 5-0 and in my picks. I lost the extra game of the week, which was uh, the Bears at Pittsburgh. I had Pittsburgh minus 6.5, and the Bears covered that. This week the first game i have saints at titans tennessee's favored by three i like tennessee to cover that what about you guys
1: uh, i would also like to pick tennessee there i think uh even without derrick henry they're a pretty underrated team in my opinion
0: agreed i definitely think as much as like there's still a long season to go. I do not think the Titans will win the AFC, but I think they will, at this moment, they are the best team in the NFC.
2: Yeah, and I think three is a really – that's a very small spread for them to try and cover. Exactly. They can do that very, very easily.
0: Generous. Especially with Trevor Simeon and at quarterback for the Saints. Yeah. All right, next game I got Browns at Patriots. Patriots are favored by 1.5. I like the Browns here. Uh, plus 1.5. Baker's got a big chip on his shoulder right now, and they have a top three running game in the league, and a top three defense for oh, yards sorry. I per think game I in the league. Out, I like the Patriots. And that's a recipe I think uh, Bill yeah, Belichick He's very
1: good at crafting defenses. Yep. And
0: we against, saw them
2: uh, against uh, – who did they play last week? I already forgot. Very much against anybody, uh, but especially it's,
1: quarterbacks. That yep, we saw them tend to make mistakes, absolutely that Cincinnati. Yeah. Fall into I that know, they,
2: category, they're in form. So I think they Belichick's can be a good team. Really good game plan, I, I agree with pay you. Pay We're Bye.
0: taking the Browns. Robbie, what you think? Oh, we lost Robbie. That's okay. We'll continue on without him That's... here. Uh, Panthers at Cardinals. Cardinals are favored by ten and a half. I like the Cardinals here. Even though Panthers just picked up Cam, even if I don't think he's going to play this weekend, just because just picked him up. But I I just like the Cardinals here, especially with Kyler Murray coming back likely and DeAndre Hopkins likely coming back.
2: Oh, yeah, I got some bias here, but um, the Cardinals are, they're just, they're too good of a team right now. Uh, I would probably pick the Panthers any other day as a Panthers fan. But yeah, Cardinals probably by three touchdowns.
0: All right, I got you down for the Cardinals, and it looks like we might be getting Robbie back here.
1: Robbie, you back? Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. We're on the Patrick no, you're Cardinals. Arguing.
0: So you missed out on Browns at Patriots. Patriots are favored by one and a half. Me and Cole both took the Browns plus one point five.
1: Oh, I would like the Patriots against the Browns. I think Bill Belichick's gonna make a really great uh, game plan. Slow Baker Mayfield down, make him force him to make some
0: mistakes. You wanted uh, who? Sorry about that. You cut out there for a second.
1: Uh, Patriots. <laughs> sorry about
0: Patriots. sorry about my connection. No, yeah. you're all good. No, you're all good. And then Panthers at Cardinals. Cardinals favored by ten and a half. Me and Cole both took the Cardinals.
1: Uh, Kyler's back, right? Yes. Yeah, i definitely take the Cardinals.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Cam will not be playing. Cam will not Cardinals. be
0: playing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 49ers at Rams. Rams favored by four. Ram- uh, 49ers just lost to Arizona last week, led by Colt McCoy and James Connor going crazy. I've got the Rams by four. What do you guys got?
2: Yep, I think taking the Rams here is the easiest pick of the week. The Rams are going to win the Super Bowl.
0: Whoa! Ah, that <laughs> was a bit of a reach. Sorry. Nah, I mean, with OBJ and everything. But yeah,
2: you know. we we just saw them get OBJ. They're uh, the get Rams so... are super good. I don't know if they'll play OBJ. But. He wants yeah, that... to
0: play. It's Monday night, and he wants to play.
2: Well, if the if you see OBJ in, definitely. Yep. Robbie, definitely either way.
1: Um, I'm officially uh, an OBJ hater after what he did to the Packers. Yes. Like he had a call with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams said he was pretty confident. And
0: Aaron.
1: OBJ- and Aaron. And Ball. Aaron. Yeah. So because of that, I think OBJ is going to be a cancer in the locker room. He's going to bring the team down. And uh, oh, I'm going to take the 49ers. I think wow. Coach Kittle is going to have a huge game. We're not going to be able to slow him down. You OBJ say that, is yeah, going to track for the Rams. <laughs> Bold. do worry about it. Bold. 49ers
0: for sure. Chiefs Chiefs at Raiders. Raiders, I mean, Chiefs are favored by two and a half. I have Raiders plus two and a half here.
2: Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. Uh, I think they've got to figure it out at some point in the season. Uh, and the Raiders, yeah, they're winning, but they're also falling apart. Internally, so I, I guess think I have
0: zero faith in the chiefs at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I've lost all faith. I bet with them this whole season. I'm over it.
2: Damn. Well, maybe I can come in and switch the luck for you. I'm oh. going with the chiefs here.
0: <laughs> probably a week
1: think? ago. I probably would have picked the chiefs, but I saw how they just played the Packers. Yep. And um, to be honest, I think they might be dead. So I'm going to have to go the Raiders to cover the spread.
0: Yeah, I think it's done for the Chiefs. I don't even think it's thanks. a bad year, per se, for other like for other teams' terms. It's just a down year for the Chiefs' It's, terms. it's just
2: a shit year. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's just a down year. But that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Adam Eisen Show. Another thanks to Robbie and Cole for coming on today. I will see you all next Thursday for Week 7.